Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. Thank you, worship team, for starting us off so well. I can't think of a better set of songs to, to start a new calendar year with. So I haven't talked about this before, but I think I'll be able to do it today. Um, August of last year, my mom became short of breath and collapsed in her bedroom and was unconscious. When the paramedics arrived, um, she did not have life signs, so they had to revive her. She did not regain consciousness. She went to the hospital, and we drove to Texas, and the doctor told us her brain had been without oxygen for several minutes, and uh, even if they did if she did regain consciousness, the likelihood that the person who we had grown up with was still there would be very, very small. He said, but miracles do happen. And so we prayed. We prayed that she would regain consciousness. We prayed that she would not be impaired. But that is not what happened. Um, And so a few days later, they removed the ventilator. And Several days after that, she passed away. What's the point of having a prayer life if you don't get what you want? Rolling Stones had an answer to that. You don't always get what you want. You don't always get what you want. But if you try sometime, you just might find. Oh, no, I told first service you wouldn't know. (laughs) But you did. Stand corrected. So... I didn't get what I wanted, but there are a lot of things I needed at that time that I did not know that I needed. Things have been difficult between mom and I since I was six years old, and I needed God to teach me how to forgive one more time. I needed to walk through my childhood, my teen years, my early adult years. I needed to walk through that all over again and forgive all over again. And in the hotel we were staying at uh, there, even though it was in the middle of a big city, there was a sidewalk behind it along railroad tracks that went off into a wooded area, and I just walked those tracks for two hours, never interrupted, never saw another person, and God and I just walked through the whole thing and forgave all over again. I needed God in prayer to show me the world from her point of view, and it was in prayer God kind of brought to my attention that she was 16 years old. When she was pregnant with me. And three months before I was born, a tornado came and wiped out everything this teenage family had scrambled to put together. And three months after I was born, her mother died unexpectedly. And a few months after that, her father and nine brothers and sisters moved two states away and basically just left her in this small town to figure it out as a teenager. God was showing me there's a reason why she didn't have all the tools that other moms might have. So I was pretty angry and bitter from all the things that had gone on in childhood. And I didn't come around all that much. I mean, some, but not much, not much. I was busy being angry for a long time. And then I was busy being afraid that the types of things that happened when I was a kid might happen again if I was around that part of the family too much. So really limited it. But as I was going through her Facebook of recent years, what I saw was this very grandmotherly figure who took kids to the carnival and baked cookies on Halloween and put Christmas lights on her house to make it look like a giant train. And I thought, did I miss the good years? Did she mellow out and I was too busy being angry and I missed all the the good years? And then I just was possessed with this deep sense of regret it would come on me like three times a day. 
God walked me through that too and had very sensible things to say like, well, you can't unwind 25 years of what you went through just because, just because. And you were healing as fast as you could and you were making the steps and you were unpacking it all and you were reconciling and rebuilding the relationship a piece at a time. And then it got cut short and that's how it went. And God was with me in prayer to walk through all those months after that. I didn't get what I wanted, but I got a lot of things that I needed that I didn't even know I needed. You need contact with God in this life to go through whatever it is that you're going through. Pastor Dan has told us many times, you ultimately come to church to learn how to pray. It's the main idea of why we're all here, to learn how to have contact with God. If another year goes by and you don't make a deep, rich connection with God, what has it all been for? I know there's lots of other things to do and and get in church community that, you know, aren't prayer. There's community with other people, and there's care that you get from the community, and there's wisdom that you get from the shared wisdom of the church, and uh, there's service. Don't ever forget that being grateful and serving others makes a real human being. People that don't serve others turn out kind of weird and terrible. So, all right. Those are all good things, but I'm telling you that without contact with God, they're all drained of meaning and they do not last. I mean, community, without God, I don't know if you've noticed, but community can be really irritating sometimes. All the people are so weird. And so without God, community, there there will come a day you'll be like, I don't really need all this headache in my life. Care, care from the church community, uh, it's wonderful, but sometimes you don't need care, and then sometimes you do need care, and you don't get all the care you would like from a community. So without God, that's going to that's gonna get on your nerves. Um, serving, serving others, that's a great thing to do, but if you're just constantly an output with no input, you're just constantly serving others, serving others, serving others. That's going to suck the life right out of you and make you bitter. It's kind of like Mr. Incredible says in the cartoon, no matter how many times you save the world, it never manages to stay saved. (laughs) Ultimately, you come to church to learn to pray. And so here at the start of the new year uh, comes your next opportunity to begin a life of prayer. And I know some of you right now are kind of giving the groan, like, oh, this, I've tried this. I always end up too busy to pray. Prayer is always too hard. I can't stay motivated. I can't stay focused. I'm not good at this. So this year, we have this book that was shared with me, and then I'm sharing it with you, uh, Reset by Bob Sorge. Um, He's a Kansas City guy. And um, he's written this book on starting a prayer life. And I thought, why don't we use this tool to start our prayer life together here this year? So we're recommending, pick one of these up, one for every family member. I'm thinking maybe 15 years and older. Now, if you have a younger kid who can read fairly well and they seem really interested in prayer and spiritual things, then go ahead. You know your kids better than I do, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to go there much under 15. And what we're trying to do is take the next 20 days, 20 minutes a day, and see if we can't reset our life of prayer for this new year. So it would start... Today, you'd find 20 minutes out of today to open. It's a tiny book. Don't you like that? And uh, you'd open up to this first page, and it's all about desire. 
This is all you got to have for today. Do you want to have a prayer life? Do you want to have a prayer life? The want to is all you need to jump in, jump in today. Now, you know that we can't do anything on our own. We, we can't do anything on our own power. But if you want, if you desire something good, God is good. And he will help us to have it. So today, just focus on that fact that you want to pray. Pastor Dan stood up here many times and said, the desire to pray is a prayer. And I always thought that was kind of a hippie-ish weird thing to say. But <laughs> here it is. Here it is on the first page of the book affirming that truth. So once again, Pastor Dan is right. <laughs> Tomorrow then, tomorrow's reading is about deciding, deciding, reading and prayer about deciding that we're going to take a 20-day, 20 minutes a day, all together in community. We're going to give this thing our best showing, trusting that God is going to make it possible and he's going to help us to follow through. And that's our focus on Monday, is deciding to, to take this journey. And if you spend 20 minutes on that, you're good. Tuesday. Tuesday is called Reach, is the name of that section. Because this, guys, three days from now, several hundred people have started praying. This is going to set every alarm bell in hell off. Right? Satan, our enemy, will come and he will remind you, hey, hey, you have tried this sort of thing before and you are no good at this. So why are you bothered? Get back on your phone and scroll through that feed. That's what you're good at now. And you're going to miss something really important if you don't scroll through that feed. Get back on there. But reach, reach for what God has for you. Don't reach back to past failures. Just hit the delete button on all of that. You know what those were? Those become life lessons. Life lessons that teach us that we don't have the strength to do these things for ourselves. But we're not doing them for ourselves this time. God is going to help us. And those past failures are going to be logs in our fire that's going to blaze up and tell this truth so that we'll be able to say with all our heart, God gave me what I could not get for myself. God gave me a life of prayer. Tuesday, the cross is before you and the world and the past is behind you. Reach for the cross. Now, Wednesday, the chapter is titled Fight. I like that one. Because don't you know, our enemy, the devil, is not going to give up that easily. If past failures don't work, his next tool will be distraction. Your mind will become a whirl of all the things you could be doing instead or ought to be doing. Or maybe you'll just get to the end of the night and have forgot that you ever started this journey. Now, this book encourages you, and so do I, to imagine your distractions from prayer as demons tempting you away from what matters. Now, maybe they are demons, or maybe you just have a distracted, whirly mind, and you don't need any help to get distracted from things. But um, we're going to imagine it that way. It's called externalize. I see that hand. We're going to put a name on it because it gives you a little fight. It gives you, in that moment of distraction, someone to say, hey, hey, 20 minutes of laundry, 20 minutes of email, 20 minutes of whatever is not going to make as much difference in my life as this 20 minutes of prayer is about to today. 
So when distractions, the demons of distraction come to me, I just write that stuff. I just write it down at the bottom of my journal. I write it down on a little slip of paper. Okay, I'll remember to do that. There it is. I don't have to keep cycling that in my mind. I'll get to it. But right now I'm praying. And I'm going to stay in this ring and fight this fight until the 20 minutes rings. I'm going to stay in prayer. I'm going to fight. Now, by Thursday, we hope that the scripture of James has come true. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. By Thursday, we're ready to settle into a real spiritual discipline. And so Thursday is all about place. It's really, really practical stuff. You can never add anything positive to your life if you don't make a place for it. Church is a place. And that is why, and some of you have done this or watched people do this, when folks say, you know, I don't really need church to be with God. I'll just go out in nature or I'll play golf or I'll do something at home. We'll have home church. It'll be fun and I'll be with God that way. And the first weekend is marvelous. And then that's about it. Because all kinds of stuff happens at home. But in church, this is a place where when you walk in, you're like, we're going to sing worship songs to God. That won't be weird at all when that starts happening. And when we're going to pray to God in this place, this is the place where we open up the word of God and, and study the scriptures. This is the place where I see other people who believe and I shake hands and I say, how was your week? How are you doing? And how are you doing? And that kind of stuff happens in this place. In fact, how many of you have ever come to Lakeland at an off time when all the lights are on or the place is empty and walked around in here and it feels weird? It's like, ugh. It's like the place isn't doing what it's supposed to do. You're, you are triggered that when you come here, a bunch of stuff toward God is going to happen. This is how place affects us. Um, all disciplines. The gymnasium is a place. How many of you can't work out unless you go to the gym? Even if what you do at the gym is the exact same stuff you could have done at home, but it won't ever happen because, yeah, because the gym is a place, and the place reinforces all that habit and, and all those behaviors. Um, Jesus knew the power of place. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, When you go to pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And Jesus had a lot of distractions. I mean, important distractions. People coming to be healed of diseases and to hear the word of God and have demons cast out, and yet he knew Without connection with God, none of that matters, and I have to have a place. And his place was the wilderness. Jesus loved to go off into the wilderness. Uh, Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start about four words in, if you want to skip ahead to. The report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now, I'll tell you from experience, if you choose a place, that place becomes a trigger to you to pray. And it gets harder to not keep the habit than to keep it. There was a season when I would kneel every day and pray at the foot of my bed. And it got to where when I walk in my room and pass the foot of my bed, a little part of me would be like, are you supposed to be praying right now? There's the foot of the bed. I'm here. I must be praying. So pick a place that's going to have some meaning to you. Might be the foot of your bed. Might be a, a chair in front of a window where you like the view. Might be your car at the parking lot before you go into work. Might be a conference room at work that no one ever goes in except for you. But make your place. Make your place. And then Friday, 
goes right along with Thursday uh, on this uh, making a spiritual discipline. Friday's called clock. It's all about time. If you really want a spiritual habit, then you give it a time and a place. And the power of that becomes double strength. Because you start having this, well, it's that time of day, and I'm in that place, so it must be time to pray. I'll tell you, once you've done this four or five times, your body will react when you move through that place at that time. So at the front end, you might need to put some alarms on your phone. Um, If you wanted to take out your phone now and put an alarm for tonight so you didn't miss it on the first night, I would not be offended. That's just fine. Um, Put alarms on your phone. Put it like on the front of a meal or the back side of a meal or the beginning of a day or the ending of a day or before arriving and going into work or or however. Pick a a place. Nope, not a place. A time. Pick a time. Um, Make it a time that's natural for you. Pick a time of day when you are most alert and most excited for new things. Now, I have a program where I'm supposed to pray right before I go to bed. That's really a terrible time of day for me. You can ask my wife. About one out of 12 times it actually happens. Okay, I am most excited and alert for new things in my life first thing in the morning. So that is when I pray. Um, but this is where if you're having fantasies right now that your whole family is going to do this together, by Friday it's all going to spread out because everybody's going to pick different time and place. If I suggested my wife, why don't we pray first thing in the morning? She would shoot me in the face. So, um, so you know, let go of the fantasies and open the grippy hand because everybody's going to have different time and place when they're most. And if you don't know when your time is, when am I most energized and excited to bring new things in my life, make that your prayer. God, when am I like that? For some folks, it's like three in the afternoon. So, but whenever that time is, pray that God will help you find it and make that, make that your time. This time and place thing is the most important part probably of this whole spiritual journey. By Saturday, you're going to be praying your first big prayer. Now, you're going to pray every night, including tonight. But by Saturday, you're no longer praying about praying. By Saturday, uh, you're going to be turning a corner into what the future of your prayer life with God is going to be like. So if you follow the Lakeland page, now there's also a Lakeland group, and that's fine too, but if you follow the Lakeland page, we're going to post a video every day, mostly for the purposes of reminding, but it'll be 30 seconds or up to two minutes, I think, for some of them, um, or maybe four minutes. I got windy on one of them. But uh, it's just a little, mostly it's a reminder that, hey, we're on this prayer journey, so you don't come back in seven days and be like, oh, good grief, I missed the whole first week. Um, but, uh, and also just a few words of encouragement and some of my own experiences with, uh, with taking prayer journeys like this. And so it'll help us do this, do this all together. Now, I started out this message saying that you can't always get what you want. But I also want to let you know that sometimes you do. I'll never forget my son's second grade parent-teacher conference. Uh, my son, uh, we sat down from his teacher, and she said, your son goes to the buddy room almost every day. Now, the buddy room is a very benevolent name for in-school suspension for elementary kids. Uh, he can't read on grade level. He can't do math on grade level. And although it's a year early, I'm recommending him for speech therapy. And with that day began our many years battle for the mind of our son. Crying 313 days a year 
because he did not want to read 20 minutes a day. Now, we said we would give him Sundays off, but we were really giving ourselves Sundays off because we just couldn't fight that fight seven days a week. Going to back to school night and always knowing which project on the bulletin board is your kids. It's the shortest one. It's the messiest one. It's the one with all the misspellings. Crying every morning because he didn't want to go to school. Math flashcards every night traded for TV time. Daily behavior reports from the teacher. Another sad face for Monday. Another sad face for Tuesday. Another sad face for Wednesday. We tried keeping our cool and just pouring out love. We tried throwing controlled fits to maybe get a little energy into the thing. We threw fits when we were totally out of control and didn't mean to. We saw the pediatrician. We saw the counselor. And after three years of this fight, nothing was accomplished. Except for the speech therapy. The speech therapy worked. God blessed the speech therapist at Prairie View Elementary. But the rest stayed the same. And in the suburbs, when your kid struggles, especially academically, you know what that means. That's your fault. That's your fault. Oh, you're letting them eat too much processed food. You're not playing with them enough in the evenings. If you just played with them a little in the evenings, that would all fix itself. You're emphasizing spelling too much. No one needs to spell these days. Attachment was not made during the first three years of the child's life. Now you and the child are hosed. Sorry. Oh, I know a doctor who can help. Unfortunately, they're not taking any new patients. Hopeless. I clearly remember one night at the very end of myself, I knelt at the foot of my bed and I prayed that God would wake up my son's mind to learning because after three years of fighting the hard fight, I had to admit, I do not have the power to put that in him. It has to come from within him. And only an almighty God can make that happen. And I said, amen. It began with a little trickle. He starts reading me things from the Guinness Book of World Records that he finds amazing. And I'm trying not to be misty-eyed over the Guinness Book of World Records. But, you know, he's reading. I don't want to be weird. God, just don't let me be weird. (laughs) Then he loved his teacher. Then we get this card game munchkin. It has 500 cards. Every card is completely unique. Every card has a paragraph of text about how it's played with this or that. A separate rule book on every single card. He read them all and memorized them all. You could play any card, and he said, you can't play that now. I said, I can. He's like, read the fine print. <laughs> he was right. All 500 cards, he knew them. He was recommended for advanced science. He brought home his first A on a report card. He brought home a report card with all A's and B's. He's recommended for all advanced classes. He says, I love school. I catch him reading books. And I finally understand the meaning of the words, to God be the glory. Because I tried it all. And I accomplished zero. But I gave it to God. And God did it. And we are so proud of what our son has accomplished. And God also had a lot of words for me along the way. I was also a part of the problem in ways I was completely blind to. 
putting my values of things onto him and my methods and ways of accomplishing things onto him. And, uh, you know, we're not having any fun till the homework's done. A family ought to have fun a little bit every day, even if no one ever does their homework. It's really important. It's what that Bridges milestone is all about, about the importance of having some enjoyment in every day. God had a lot of mirrors to hold up to me in this situation. And I'll leave you to find in prayer the mirrors God wants to hold up to you in the situation that you're in. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes, many times, God reveals his overflowing love and grace. So we've got all these copies of Bob Sorge's Reset. The publisher was very kind and gave it to us for two twenty-five. So just to keep it simple, we're going to give it to you for two, and we'll just figure out the quarter somewhere along the way. Um, so grab one for each member of your family. And let's start tonight. The videos will be on the Lakeland page. If you want to follow the Lakeland page during this, it will help remind, I hope help encourage. This could be a very different church in 20 days. I mean, hundreds of people in prayer. In a congregation that was already pretty hot on the mission of God. But now receiving the fuel and the fire of the Holy Spirit for that mission every day. This could be an exciting place to be here in just under three weeks. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that we have the desire to pray. Father, we pray that we want to pray. And we pray now for the power of your Holy Spirit to come lay this journey out ahead of us. Protect us from the evil one. Show us the example of Christ. Help us put all the past behind us and look forward to the future you have for us. Your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.